This is Help From The Line, back with another episode. I'm your host, Tyler. Let's jump into the conversation. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode. Tonight on the episode, I have a special guest. I have Evan Hodge with me. Uh, Evan and I have worked together at a critical care team that we both worked for at one point in time. You know, currently we both work at different jobs. And Evan has done some pretty cool things recently, especially with COVID, you know, and has some personal experiences that, that we want to share with you guys. So hi, Evan. Welcome to the show. Hi, how's it going? It's going good. Um, so one of the things is, is I know that you and I both have kind of gone our separate ways when we, you know, when we did work together. What are you doing now? Um, the company I work for, it's a uh, critical care transport team. And we do both ground and air transport. Um, the main truck I run on is a special truck. It's not really a common one that's well known yet. They're fairly new. Uh, it's a mobile stroke transport unit. Um, so what we do is we basically do 911 with our city we're contracted to. And we go direct to the scene. Uh, we respond with local EMS and fire. And we transport and treat strokes right on the scene. Uh, we'll scan them in the back of our truck. We have a mobile CT scanner. Uh, we have the ability to give TPA directly in the back of the truck. And we have a live doctor that pops down on the back of the box in the back of the truck and is able to evaluate the patient and give us orders as we go and help direct us along the way. It's a pretty neat process on what all we do. That, that's absolutely phenomenal. I know that when you got hired for that job, you and I actually interviewed for that position at the same time. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think that that's some great work. And you guys uh, are only, you guys still only 12 hours during the day, correct? Yeah, uh, we run Monday or seven days a week, actually. Uh, but we only run from 8A to 8P. And they would run 24 hours, but statistically shown that the main influx of stroke calls are from the hours of 8A to 8P. So they only really run us those times because at night you know people are sleeping they're not gonna notice a stroke like they would a like a cardiac arrest or a major event like that right um, so treating like all the wake-up strokes is why you started that time yeah i mean sometimes we'll we won't get our first call until two three in the afternoon and sometimes we'll get a call right out of the gate even sometimes before eight o'clock they'll be calling us and asking if we can go um, because not only are we attached with the main city, but we also have, I want to say we're up to 11 different suburbs that we also cover too. Um, so we have quite the response area. Uh, sometimes we, we respond 25, 30 minutes away, but, um, statistically shown, even if we show up a little bit later to the scene, uh, the patients do have a greater outcome. Absolutely. Cause, cause that's, that's very quick treatment, you know, being able to, to, to scan somebody there in the field and get that TPA going, that's super quick, you know, treatment from onset. Oh, oh, for sure. Uh, I want to say the current record on the truck, uh, correct. I, I could be wrong. I, I don't know exactly, but I want to say our door to drug time in the back of our truck is 10 minutes. 
Um, so we got them in the back of our truck, started the IVs, scanned the patient, got the, all the orders from the doctor. Um, we sent the CT scan to the radiology team at the hospital and they confirmed a stroke. And then our doctor gave us the order to go ahead and premix TPA and administer it awesome. all within 10 minutes. That is, that's absolutely fantastic. Uh, and then I also know that you have some experience on a fire department also, correct? Uh, yeah, that's actually where I, I first got my start. I uh, started off on a small little volunteer fire department. It's, you know, um, where a lot of us actually start off at. Um, it was it was a paid per call, but I mean, we didn't, I mean, it really wasn't for the money and that nobody's in a volunteer department for the money. Absolutely. Um, I actually just donated my checks back to the fire department just to, help fund everything. But, um, I was there for probably about six months until I got my first EMS job. And, uh, and then I worked for a private company for about four and a half years, but I was still on my volunteer department at the time. And then, uh, when I left that private EMS job, that's when I joined up on the critical care team with you and we were working alongside each other for a while. And then, uh, I went to the um, mobile stroke transport team and then I've been in there for about a going on a year now, but my total time in EMS has been roughly going on seven years now. Um, 25 now. And I've been doing it ever since I graduated high school. Right. And I, I mean, I know that a lot of us, you know, even a lot of the people that are on, you know, critical care that were on critical care with us and, you know, still are with you. A lot of those guys also started at, at fire departments, you know, at, the, at those volunteer fire departments that a lot of us cut our teeth at. Uh, and it, it does bring up kind of a different viewpoint from those in-hospital workers that we see. You know, we see a lot of people come on the team that have never stepped foot in a truck and they don't, at first, they don't really un understand how things are going to go in the back of a truck until they actually get that experience. Oh, oh, for sure. I mean, I, I've noticed that and, you know, I'm, I'm, not trying to degrade anybody or anything like that uh, by no means everybody I work on with currently I mean they're on their a game I mean it's it's the Absolutely. best people I've ever worked with and the smartest people I've ever worked with and I mean I'm learning something new every single day but you can definitely tell uh, even slightly uh, when somebody has worked EMS prior to going onto a team like that because they they just know how the way in the back of the truck they know how to function properly and and under under pressure in the moment like that in the back of a truck right i mean the team and, that uh, the team you work with they are they are top notch you know i spent what two two years uh, with you guys and everyone yeah. there is on their a game 100 percent of the time oh for sure i mean it, it there's some of the best people I've ever worked with, if not the best people. I mean, without a doubt, I would say that they're probably one of the better teams in the country, if not the best team in the country with sure. just advancements and everything that they do. I mean, because it's not just, you know, transporting. I mean, they also, the stuff they or with like, you know, balloon pumps, uh, ECMO, I mean, you name it, they transport it. So with, and, uh, with all of this, uh, you know, let's, let, let's kind of focus in, I, you know, you and I have had a lot of conversations about, you know, the things that we've done and, and what's affected us. 
And in your career to this point, you know, just running these day-to-day calls with your volunteer department and then also with the critical care team that you're working for, uh, have you run into until, you know, up to this point, have you run into any of those, you know, critical instant calls uh, that do start to affect you? Oh, yeah. Um, the first one and probably the one that even even still gets to me a little bit this day, um, I was actually, I was like just past 19 years old. I was maybe a year on my volunteer department and uh, we got a call about a, uh, an incident that happened with a, uh, an individual and, you know, it came out like nothing major. So I'm like, okay, cool. Let's, let's go do this. You know, I, I just got home from my shift at my one EMS job at the time. So I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm still in uniform. I'm still ready. I'll go on this one. You know, nobody else was really signing on. So, uh, I respond to the station and as we get going, uh, the address comes over and I noticed it was a, a familiar address. And then when we get there, I realized it was somebody that I, I knew very well. PD was already on the scene and the one sheriff on the scene, I actually graduated high school a couple of years before me, but me and him were really great friends. And so I jump out of the truck and he was there to greet me. And he told me, it, you know, it was a, a DOA when we got there and um it was a very bad one when I realized who it was it kind of it broke me down especially when I rounded the corner into the room and saw the scene it was something I still remember to this day you know even even the smells you know certain smells will kind of trigger it a little bit and uh it affected me a lot and um I remember having to tell the family what happened and just, you know, everything that went down there from there. It it was pretty rough and I went into a very rough patch for a while and I, you know, I, I was still new to the game. I, you know, I didn't know how to react. I didn't know how to respond. I was a 19 year old kid that just saw this scene that you know nobody ever wants to see and i don't wish that upon my worst enemies you know to have to deal with something like that and you know it it took me a while and i kept in for a while and then one day i'm just like you know what when i went to the the department meeting i'm like hey guys i like i need to talk about this i need to i need to decompress or something is there somewhere i can do And we actually got a, uh, like a therapist that came into our station and she came into our station with her little group of people. And we all just kind of circled around and just kind of let it all out and just our thoughts and talked about it. And after doing that, it helped greatly, but I didn't get to that point until about a year after Right, it it took me that long just because, you know. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, 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 you're fine. I, I think that a lot of people, and, and I know this from personal oh. experience, we just don't understand how much talking is actually just going to help us. Oh, for sure. Uh, I mean, because we all, you know, when we first start off in school, you know, everybody's all like, oh, if you talk about your feelings or whatnot, you know, you're not that strong. And when you just get drilled into your brain, like you have to have this strong 
mentality where, you know, you don't talk about feelings and you got to bottle them up and, you know, just put them on the shelf because you got other calls you got to do. Um, you know, I, I agree with that to an extent, though. Um, you know, I feel like you, you do need to talk about things and you do, you do need to decompress after every call. And I feel like it's, you know, it's a good time to talk about it is when you leave the hospital and you're on your way back to the station. Absolutely. I, I can't, I couldn't agree with that, you know, anymore. You know, I, and that is the, that's the, your first line of defense. And, and I, I think that that kind of gets pushed by the wayside because we don't think about it because we do it enough talking with each other as we're going back and forth, you know, especially back from the hospital. We don't realize in that moment how much that is helping us on an everyday call basis. Oh, for sure. Cause I mean, going back to, you know, that, that critical call I had where, it, you know, it, it, it affected me a lot. I mean, it, like I said, it still does to this day a little bit, not as much. I mean, I've, I've kind of made peace with it and coped with it and I, I've gotten the help and it, I mean, it, it's helped a lot, but um, I remember on that call on that night on our way back from the hospital, uh, when the whole truck was silent, which I mean, for an incident like that, and uh, it, it was somebody that the whole department knew, so it, it really hit home. And uh, but that that whole ride back was just—I mean, you can hear an, uh, a pin drop in the back of the truck. It was that quiet. Um, but we all kind of sat down at a later date and said, "All right, let's get somebody in here. Let's talk about this." And it, it did help. And then after that, you know, we did start implementing, hey, let's just let's just talk it out on the way back from the, the hospital on these calls. And it, it does help greatly. Do you think that things would have been different if that would have been noticed sooner and a team would have been brought in faster? I think so. Um, I, I think it would have helped greatly just just for a mental health benefit um that way you're not just beating yourself up for you know a year like i did you know like what if we would have done this you know what if i would have been home 10 minutes sooner to go on the call and you know what if we were there 10 minutes sooner is there something else that we could have done or could this have gone differently and i mean after we talked about it we all were just like you know we did everything we could you know, there's nothing else that we could do. It's just sometimes there's just those calls where at the end of the day, it's going to be, it's going to be rough, but you have to not admit defeat, but admit that you've done everything that you possibly could, but no matter what you did, the outcome was still going to be the same. And you're going to have those calls. Right. Because when we, when we start to play the what if game, that's what really starts to affect us mental health wise, because we're really playing a game that we couldn't change the outcome no matter what we did. Oh, for sure. So I know that at the start of COVID, uh, you know, we were working together at that time and we were both kind of offered the opportunity. I had some other things going on and couldn't, uh, but you did something that not a lot of people get to do. Yeah, so uh, it was actually, it's coming up to 
actually a year ago, almost to the day. Uh, yeah, because it was about beginning of middle of April of 2020. Um, the company where you're working, we were both working at it at the same time. I remember they sent out a, uh, a text message, a, a blast group text message saying, um, hey, we have a, a deployment coming up does anybody want to do it? There's three slots available. And, uh, I remember I, I jumped right up on the opportunity at the time and I'm like, you know what, let's do this. You know, I'm not, I want to, I know, I know they're bogged down out where we went. They need the help. And I know if I was in their position, I would want anybody and everybody to come help that was available. So, well, after I got the call and I told them, yeah, I'll do it. And they said, they gave me the green light to go ahead. Uh, it was actually at like seven o'clock at night. And they said, all right, pack your bags for roughly three weeks. And we're departing the station at 10. And I didn't really know too much information. That's all I really knew at the time. And then on the way to the station, I remember uh, getting a phone call and they said, hey, we're shipping you guys out to uh, New York and New Jersey to help the fire departments out there with COVID relief. Um, we don't really have too much information at the time. FEMA just called us and said, hey, we need these people. So we just dropped everything, packed a bag real quick, and we're on the road. And I think I packed my bag, was on the road within three hours we were on our way out to new jersey and uh it was a really interesting time uh really good experience i mean it it had a lot on uh on your mental health it, it took a lot of strain but um if if i had the opportunity if they called me again said hey we need you to go i i would do it again in a heartbeat um it was definitely a great experience but uh, it, it did wear on you mentally. Right. I, re I remember I was at work that night, the night that the text went out and we all jumped on that Zoom call together. Uh, yeah, that's right. There was not a lot of information given in that Zoom call, which is, is fine. You know, they gave us the information that they had, which wasn't much. Uh, and I knew that you had taken the spot and that you were going on the deployment. And, you know, one, I, I do think that that's great. But let's get into that playing on your mental health because for that two or three weeks that you were there what what was your main job out there oh we were we were running 911 um so the the fire department i was attached with i want to say we covered it was 7 square miles was the city that we covered that was our jurisdiction and normally they had seven squads that covered that seven square miles and you know everybody was divvied up in their jurisdiction and um their population for that city was 250,000 people in seven square miles so it was it was a big population and uh they were bogged down i mean they were running 300 plus calls in a 24-hour shift per with only seven trucks so we were we were getting slammed and then when fema came in we doubled the number of trucks and uh we were running 911 calls but a lot of them were were covid related 
I, I remember my first call out there, my very first call on the shift, because I, I picked, pulled the, the short straw for the first shift. And um, my very first call was a, a really bad COVID case. And I, I had no idea what to do because um, we just kind of got thrown into it. We, FEMA was all confused trying to figure out how to attack this situation because nobody knew. Nobody knew how to handle a event this big and this massive scale. And it was just kind of, here's kind of a, a basic game plan and kind of just write your own rules as you go. And we figured it out. But that the first call I had, I remember I jumped out of the truck and we donned all of our PPE. We had the full Tyvek suits full face mask and uh, I remember we wore double gloves and we duct taped all the seams and everything like that and we just transported them that way and it was it was like a, almost an 80 degree day that day so I mean we were we were pretty hot under those suits because there was no ventilation and we wore those all the way from the time we started treating the person into in their household all the way to the hospital and then from the hospital back to our decon site before we can doff all the the PPE that we put on. Yeah, so that I mean one it's horrible even now. I, you know, I think that we all feel the the strain of the PPE that we have to wear all the time. But now we're talking like this is the very beginning. None of us had any idea what impact this was going to have. None of us really knew how to treat it. This was before we were getting, you know, altered protocol to take care of these patients. You know, we knew that we weren't going to aerosolize treatments around them, you know, or with them. But other than that, we didn't know, you know, even, even back here in Ohio still, we had no idea how to treat this. Now you're getting thrown to a completely new state with a new department, with people that you didn't really know. To, to help them out. And now you're running this huge amount of COVID calls, more so than we were seeing back here at the time. And you were doing it continually for two weeks. Oh, yeah. Uh, we were running. Our, our, the way we did is, so we would do a 24-hour shift, and then we would have 12 hours of rest back at the hotel we were stationed at. And then... After those 12 hours, we would go back for another 24. So we would do a normal 24, off for 12, and then we'd go back for a reverse 24. And that's how it, that's the whole, how it went for two to three weeks was just that whole rotation. And I mean, it just the, the shifts and work alone was a, a, a mental strain and battle just to get over that. So with that 12 hours off, I'm sure that on these shifts that you're working on top of what you were dealing with, you know, there was also an exhaustion aspect that played into it. Oh yeah. I mean, there was a, a huge exhaustion. So uh, af after this deployment, you know, so, you know, you guys finally finished up there, you're on your way home or, you, you know, even after you got home, mental health wise, how did, how did this affect you? It actually, it, it took me probably a good solid week or two after I got home to fully decompress after that whole deployment, um, just to kind of come back to reality 
and just relax and just take my mind off of things and to fully comprehend exactly what just happened. Um, because it was pretty much just sleep for 12 hours, wake up, work for 24, sleep for 12, wake up, work for 24. And in that 24 hours, we were running anywhere between 20 to 30 calls per shift. And that was each truck. And, um, and not only running all those calls and that taking a toll on mental health, but also the, the stress factor too, because we didn't really know how to function or handle dealing with COVID at the time since it was so new. And another major aspect too was just navigation in general. Um, Cause a lot of the trucks out there, they all had CAD systems, but we had nothing. All we had was a radio. So we really had to go back to the, the roots of everything and just write down the address and go back to a old, good old map and go old school with it and uh, GPS everything, which that was a hurdle on its own to figure out. But we got we ended up getting a system down and um, it took a couple of days, but then we just kind of went on autopilot after that and once we got our our feet wet and kind of shook everything off and uh didn't really think about exactly what was going on we just kind of went into work mode and for me at least i can't speak for everybody but um it, it took me about one to two weeks after ending the deployment and coming back to home to fully realize what exactly just happened. And then after that, I kind of, I talked to some old coworkers that I worked with at my, my first EMS job in my fire department. And um, I just kind of talked it out and explained everything what happened. And that alone helped greatly was just talking to somebody familiar that I'm very familiar with and comfortable with, but, also who is kind of dealing with the same thing but also knows exactly what i'm talking about right so it brings in that that peer support aspect of you know them you're comfortable opening up to them and i mean dude coming back from that you just had stuff that you needed to get off your chest oh for sure i mean i just i just needed to talk to somebody about it and just explain everything i mean you know cuz i had family and and friends like always calling me and texting me asking, Hey, how'd it go? You know, how you feeling? And, you know, I wanted to talk to him about it, but I just, I didn't really know how to explain it to, to them, you know, and, you know, I, not that I wasn't comfortable talking to them about it. It just, I, I felt more comfortable talking to somebody who understood exactly what I was going through. For sure. So, I yeah. mean, while you were out there, so you guys were also out there while their hospitals were completely overran by this. Oh, for sure. I mean, the the hospital in the city I was on, um, they would go on diversion three to four times a day. Wow. So now you're, you know, you're pushing out even further to get to another hospital. Oh, yeah. I mean, the hospital you normally transport to is on diversion. I mean, it, it wouldn't be uncommon for us to transport somebody 30, 40 minutes away. 
and granted you know this is new york city and new jersey and all that where it's a very highly populated area but there was nobody on the roads everybody was on lockdown out there so there was no traffic and that was 30 to 40 minutes of transport treating it with diesel and trying to get there as quick as possible right with no traffic so 30 40 minute transport time with no traffic with no traffic and being pretty much the only vehicle on the roadway so coming, you know, then after coming home and, you know, you went through that a couple of weeks of kind of decompression and realizing what you went through and talking to, to other people, you know, what, what did that do to you coping wise? You know, did you learn some new coping mechanisms? What are you doing now to help alleviate the COVID stress that we're all in? Now, I, I mean, I, 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 talking with people, obviously, you know, that helps greatly. Um, and along with talking to somebody, because that, I mean, that's so important is just to, to make sure you talk to somebody so they know how you feel. And, you know, if they see any red flags, they can be like, Hey, we need to get you some more help. Like I I'm doing all that I can, but I think you need something a little bit more advanced or a, a, a different line of help. I would guess I would say, um, but along with that, I've just been doing a hobby, you know, just doing something that I, I really enjoy. That's doesn't do anything with EMS at all or anything with the medical field and something that just helps me take my mind off, off everything. And, uh, you know, I've been really big into photography, so I'll just go out on a hike with my camera and just go out and be in the woods, be in nature and, just kind of all the peace and quiet and just relax. And that to me personally, that's my decompression and that's how I can relax and just breathe and just everything will be okay. Yeah. That, I mean, that's great. I've seen, I've seen your pictures that you're taking. I think that they're absolutely incredible. You are doing a great job with that photography. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm trying to do my, do my part and kind of get myself out there and try and do as best as I can. But uh, with doing that, it's it's definitely helped, and it's it's definitely a a stress reliever, both physically and mentally. Good. I'm I'm glad that you were able to find something. You know, I think that all of us need to right now. You know, that's a hard thing. I've had a, a lot of conversations with a ton of friends. You know, some family, where right now we're in such a stressful situation. You know, all the way around even though, yes, it's kind of lightening up, you know, we're starting to maybe see a light at the end of the tunnel. This stuff is still extremely stressful. It's still a huge impact on our mental health. And I think that being able to find something to do that is completely unrelated, that allows you to get out somewhere with your mask off and, you know, be able to just spend some time to yourself is something that all of us need right now. Oh, for sure. And I mean, especially with everybody in the medical field. I mean, we've been pulling so much overtime and crazy hours and all we've been doing is just work, work, work. It's, it's good to, to have that mental break from it all and, you know, just get out and relax. And I mean, you don't necessarily have to go out and go hiking like I do. That's just a personal hobby of mine. And, um, you know, just do something that you enjoy that, you know, gets you out of work and gets you not thinking about work or um, 
that doesn't keep you in the house and just kind of gets you out there that way you don't feel trapped and in the same loop that we've been doing for over a year now but you know obviously following the appropriate guidelines and staying as safe as we possibly can absolutely so i want to thank you for coming on the show tonight i i really appreciate it i i would love to continue to talk to you more you know so if you have some time maybe come back in you know a couple other episodes oh i'd uh I'd, I'd enjoy that. I'd, you know, whenever you want me back on, I'll just let me know and I'll be glad to come back on the show. Absolutely, buddy. I really appreciate it. Guys, this is Evan Hodge, you know, super great guy has had a lot of experiences here in the past year. You know, this de- deployment with FEMA was, was crazy. You know, I, I heard a lot of the stories from the guys that were coming back from it. You know, even guys that weren't attached to the same company that we were working for at the time, uh, you know, they all had these, you know, incredible experiences that were both good and bad. And, you know, we really need to learn from these. And we need to, to be honest with ourselves after these happen. You know, if you need to talk to somebody, reach out and talk to somebody. There's nothing wrong with saying, you know, I, I need some help. And I'm sure that Evan here will agree with me on that. Oh, 110%. I mean, it's, I think we're in a new age now where, it's kind of more accepted for people to actually start reaching out for help. And a lot of people are now willing and that verse, you know, I would say how it was back in the eighties when the stories we hear from then where everybody was just kind of like, Oh, just, you know, just suck it up and you'll be fine. You know? Right. Absolutely. I mean, and we've heard that for years, you know, fire service loves tradition, but Unfortunately, at some point in time, that tradition is going to have to change, you know, change the status quo. And, and let's be honest with ourselves about mental health and, and help others with it. Oh, for sure. So, Evan, I, I want to thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, and I, uh, I want to say thank you for having me. I, you know, I enjoy talking about all this. Awesome. We'll definitely do it again. All righty. Thank you. Thank you.